This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Ah, Microsoft's fifth floor. Ladies' modems, children's shareware, and our bridal peripheral salon. Wow. Task bars and email and shortcuts, oh my. Task, Task bars, bars and email and shortcuts, oh my. Ah, the Wicked Witch Maybe. of Windows 95. Oh, I heard that, and you are? Uh, this is Jennifer Anderson. I'm Matthew Perry. We're here to see Mr. Bill Gates about a possible starring role in the video guide to Microsoft Windows 95. <laughs> The Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake. Hi, this is James Tynan IV, and I love the Drake. This is George Perez at Cincinnati Comic Expo, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes. Hi, this is Mark Wolfman, and everyone loves the Drake. Hi, this is Marcus Toe, artist for Red Robin. You've been listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake podcast. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and welcome to episode 132. This show is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and, of course, Robin. We're also associated with Batman on Films Podcast Network at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. So between the two podcast networks, the Batman Universe, our home site, and BatmanPodcastNetwork.com, you can find us. Speaking of find us, we're across all the social media platforms. We're on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can follow us at Facebook at Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves Drake. We're on Instagram, and if you email into the show at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com, we will read your email and comments on the show. And we have a YouTube page as well. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave a review and a star review for us, and we will read that as well. So, like I said, I'm Rob. Terrence and Ryan are here. This is a little intro in typical ELTD fashion. We recorded about a two-and-a-half, three-hour recording session to complete our coverage of Batman Legacy. Then, of course, I'm going to piecemeal these out over a couple episodes to give you, a listener, more content since we had a little bit of a summer break and trying to get our feet back under us after getting through COVID and everything. And, of course, you know, I think I say in the episode that our coverage 
for Batman Legacy, it lasted just about as long as COVID itself, if you put in Contagion right with it. So today we'll be taking a look at Batman 534 and Detective Comics 701. Like I said, Terrence and Ryan are here. There won't be a long preamble into this. We'll get right into the episode. We'll do a couple quick little promos. And on the other side, we will begin our coverage, the ending coverage of Batman Legacy. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the show. Grab your bat microphone, it's time to start the show. Check out the Bat Pod with your host, Bill Beer. This was, cucumber this was an issue. <laughs> yes, have you ever had a cucumber sandwich? And his co-host, Joey Galvez. I mean, I like it, you know, cucumber water. Have you ever had that? It's so refreshing. Topic of the week. I really love the Michael Keaton Batman, the Tim Burton Batman. I thought you were going to mention Batman and Robin for a minute. <laughs> you know, George Clooney had you hello or character spotlights. The condiment king was a guy named Buddy Stanley, a, okay. a former stand-up comedian. But, you know, stump your co-host segments. Okay, where's your Batman card? Just go ahead and send that to me. Sorry, sorry. And we'll, we'll rip that up. <laughs> okay. You can find the Bat Pod on the nerdylegion.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Google Play, and we're now on Stitcher. The Bat Pod is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Network. Your crime-fighting collective... What the blue bacon? In 1974, four men literally changed the face of rock and roll forever. Gene Simmons, Peter Chris, Ace Frehley, and Paul Stanley wanted to become the band they never got to see. Over the next 40 plus years, the music, the makeup, the merchandise, and the loyal fan base have propelled Kiss to one of rock and roll's elite groups. With KISS heading down their end-of-the-road tour, we thought we would start our journey. Turn it up to 10 because we love it loud. Right Between the Eyes is a podcast all about our favorite band, KISS. We will be covering all eras of KISS with the various albums, studio, live, and compilations, plus album mashups and more. We will also cover solo and band projects from all members, past and present, while also looking at the various bands that have opened for KISS as well. Not to mention all of the fun items in the KISS catalog. TV appearances, long-form videos, merchandise, comic books. Come on, the list goes on and on. Coming in late May, early June 2021 to a podcast platform near you. Follow us on Twitter at RBTE Podcast. Loud. I want to hear it loud. Right between the eyes.
All right, folks, we're back, and I think our coverage of Batman Legacy went on as long as the pandemic, because in the issues that we're talking about today, or the series of episodes you could hear, depending on how in Drake fashion I put this all together, I see the actual mention of the word vaccine in one of these issues. And mm-hmm. I know we've talked about it before that, you know, I had got mine a while back. Still haven't seen any masks in this other than a doctor. So mm-hmm. Chuck Dixon, you might have been right. But we have everybody on tap if we're in a bar because now you can go out to bars again, which is what I'm doing tonight. Uh, we have uh, Terrence and Ryan here. Terrence, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Not only going to a bar, I'm going to Florida next week. Going to a theme nice. park. Woohoo! Yeah, actually, ride a ride probably. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're going to Universal Studios this time. So they got the new Jurassic Park Velocicoaster up. That's the new one. Just oh. it opened two days ago on the tenth. So, oh yeah. wow! Yeah. So it's it's still like really really new then. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we have Ryan. Ryan, what's going on, sir? Oh well, I don't know about <laughs> you guys, but I. I just like to state for the record that I thought this pandemic was very real. Y'all are going to bars and theme parks and crap, and I'm like, no, I'm I'm wearing a mask right now. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> you sound really but, uh, clear. <laughs> but I just want to say, no, no, this pandemic is real. I want to be on record. Oh yeah, that. yes. Um, but uh, but yeah, like I we're getting back into the into the world here in North Carolina. We're in this weird like nobody has to wear a mask anymore, but like most places kind of still are. Right, kind of, kind of. And I've been going to my faithful Alamo Draft House theater for a, of movies. I'm pro- and I'm I'm going to go tonight and see Quiet Place Part Two. And I don't know if they. It looks like they just today actually. I think they have finally lifted their buffer seating, which was actually kind of nice. Like where you would buy mm. a seat and then they would lock off the seats to the, to the right and left of you. Uh, but it, and and you have to wear a mask when you're in your seat. But it looks like that's just gone now. So okay, we'll see how it goes. That's right. I got my vaccine, my antivirus, <laughs> as Batman would call it. <laughs> That's right. So, it's just so funny. I know we've it's been a few episodes, and it's probably been a month or so since we've been doing this officially again, since we've had a little break and trying to figure out everything. But it's been funny to still read some of this. And like we've said before in previous episodes, that back in... 96 when we were originally reading these it just like you couldn't wrap your head around it and still hearing batman say certain things like all oh, the city's rallying together and doing this that or the other i'm like yep i stood in a line here yep i've done that and uh it's just it's pretty cool but let's let's get into the heart of it so today over the next couple episodes we will be looking at batman 534 detective comics 701 our boy Tim Drake and Robin 33. Can you believe it? The show is like 132 episodes and we're on Robin 33. But I digress. Uh, Detective Comics 702. And we will talk about Batman number one, or excuse me, Batman Bane number one, that I guess is a quasi tie into Batman and Robin. So more on that once we get there. And yeah, Rob. Pop. Rob made us buy Batman number one each. To, to, uh, yeah. right. The podcast cost me $8 million. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, which Batman what? number one? Tom King number one or Scott Snyder number one? <laughs> right, or right. Bill Fingers number one. So let's just get into it. Batman 534. Terrence, why don't you take us away on the information, the synopsis for this bad boy? Sure, you got it. Batman 534. Cover date, September 1996. On sale date, July 10th, 1996. Cover price, 
195 pennies. Uh, editor Dennis J. O'Neill, writer Doug Munch, I can never say his name right, penciler Jim Aparo, Aparo. This must be one of the last comics he did for DC Comics, I think. And, yeah, I was uh, wondering. I think the regular penciler was, uh, what's his face? Uh, the guy with the big ears. I'm blanking on his name. Kelly Jones. Kelly Jones, yes, right? Yes, yes. So this yes. guy, he was, must have been doing a fill-in for Kelly Jones. Inker, Bill, God, you give me all the hard names, Rob. Bill <laughs> Steinkowikitz. That sounds like a Seinfeld character. Sinkevich. Sinkevich. Yeah. yeah. Letterer Todd Klein, colorist Lee Lohride. Cover credits, oh, artist Kelly Jones. If I could, there, there was the name right there I was looking for. All right, Legacy Part 5, A Wound on the Heart of Heaven. Batman in Calcutta, waiting for Oracle to contact him and give him more information on the possible location of the virus. Oracle contacts him and tells him that the League of Assassins might be listening to their communications, so she tells Batman to go to the Temple of Kali to meet someone that she arranged to assist him in the search of the virus. Batman goes to the place but finds only an urchin, a street kid. The kid is curious about Batman's appearance, and Batman tells the kid to stay away to protect him. Suddenly, Lady Shiva arrives at the place and tells Batman that Oracle contacted her and is there to help him. The two of them are ambushed by the League of Assassins, but they are no match for the combined forces of Shiva and Batman. Batman and Shiva start to roam the city, and the urchin follows them closely. They arrive at a Hindu festival named Festival of Durga, where some big-sized wax statues of the goddess Durga are thrown into the river as a symbol of hope and courage. Shiva spots some suspicious activity near one of the statues, so she and Batman decide to go. At the sight of Batman, two men run away, but Batman reaches them in no time. Shiva and Batman engage in combat once more with members of the League of Assassins. One of them pulls out a gun and is ready to shoot Batman, but the urchin tackles the assassin. This one, enraged, shoots the kid instead. An angry Batman breaks the assassin's arm and forces him to tell him where the virus is. The assassin tells Batman the truth before exploding gas into his mouth, killing himself. The virus is on one of the goddess wax figures. Batman dives into the river to find the virus. A second before giving up, Batman sees the virus and takes it from the river, preventing it from mixing with the water that most of Calcutta uses. Once on the surface, Batman reaches Shiva and the urchin who didn't die from the shooting. Batman carries the child with renewed hope. And it goes without saying that all of the synopsis and information come from Mike's Amazing World and DC Wikia because I was lazy and I didn't write any synopsis. So thank you, DC Wikia, for your synopsis. This issue, right off the bat, when I, I think I remember when I got this cover, I thought, oh, Kelly Jones. I don't think I paid attention that Jim Aparo was drawing the issue. And probably in those first couple pages, I noticed, like, this doesn't look like Kelly Jones. And I don't know if I would have guessed this was Jim Aparo right off the bat. But once I realized it was Jim Aparo, I could kind of see that. But you can definitely tell this is latter-day Jim Aparo. So he was only sparely being used as a fill-in artist. So Kelly Jones obviously must have had something going on. Did you recognize this, Terrence, as being Jim Aparo uh, when you first read it? No, but I think it goes to show how much an inker can influence and change mm-hmm. an artist because I, you know, the Aparo stuff from like Nightfall and the '80s 
he always had really clean lines, like inkers who were really clean and colorists who were your traditional bright color comics. And this is, you know, colored very dark with lots of like grays and shades of blue, heavily inked, like the, the lines are heavy and, and it makes it look like a completely different artist. It's, it's pretty crazy how that kind of works with comic books. I wonder that too, if that's part of him, Bill, working with Kelly Jones for so long. You think that's probably part of it too, Ryan? Oh, was was uh, was Bill Sienkiewicz an inker for Kelly Jones for a while? I, be- on, in I believe, yeah, I believe so. No, it was it was the other guy. Was it, was it? always Puck? Was it in Jones and Puckett? I think Puckett. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, it, so what? Yeah. So what I thought what what I thought was interesting is that if you look at Bill Sienkiewicz's like actual like his art, he's an artist too, a penciler too. Like if you look at the stuff that he draws and inks mm-hmm. himself, it does have that same kind of very inky, dark, rough, kind of stark quality to it. So, if you know his art and you see him ink Jim Aparo on this, it, it makes a lot of sense that the way it looks. And interestingly, if you go to jump to the next issue we're going to talk about, if you look at uh, Detective 701, that's a Graham Nolan cover with a Bill Sienkiewicz ink. And we know yeah. how clean and crisp Graham Nolan's work can look in comics, but you can see the Bill Sienkiewicz inking applied to a cover like that too, and it it, it is like Graham Nolan, but with a lot more edge in, to it, you know. So, so that's another example, right, in the next book of uh, of how much, like you said, Rob, how much a difference an in, in inker can make on the style and the the tone and mood of a comic book. And I think what I really dug about this issue, from an artistic standpoint, is the coloring. Everything pretty much is all in shadow until you get to the the final little battle sequence mm-hmm. uh, is just an all muted like very dark blues grays purples to some extent yeah. it feels like night yes you know where a lot of times you'll read a comic story that's set at night and it's like doesn't really give you that feeling but this one absolutely does Oh, yeah, definitely. And you can kind of tell, especially with the street urchin where he's peeking around the corners, his face is in shadow, and even just the shadows of Batman himself where you can't see the outline of his face on page 7, right, as we're getting introduced to Lady Shiva, which I'll bring up in just a minute, but the panel where Batman says there could be danger, and the urchin says, very well, big mister, which I thought was kind of funny. The shadows of Batman where you can't see the lower part of his jaw, you're just seeing his eyes. I always thought that was really cool. So I brought up Lady Shiva, and trivia for this one is uh, Lady Shiva mentions her last encounter with Batman, and it happened in Robin 8, if you can believe that, during the Nightfall storyline. So I guess you through the course of the podcast, I didn't realize it had been that long, but that's that's a couple years in just publication time for these issues to come out to see Lady Shiva come back. And I had completely forgotten that she was even part of Legacy at all. So do you guys remember her being in Legacy or were you as surprised as I was? I clearly remember reading this and I must have blanked this complete issue out. I was reading it as if it was the first time and I was going, hmm. why don't I remember this issue? So Ryan, what do you thought? Your thoughts? Yeah. So, you know, on our journey of, of covering Legacy, the front half of the story is absolutely what has stuck in my mind mm-hmm. way more than, than the, this back half that we're covering today, you know, for the most part. And this issue is definitely part of that. This issue and the, the previous one that we co- the last issue we covered on the, the previous episode were, are the two that 
I really forgot the most. But but yeah, I forgot Shiva was in this, but it does make sense because in my head it's like, yeah, the, of course the last time we saw her was the whole Night's End, Mask of Tengu thing. And uh, the last she knew, she was trying to get Batman, Bruce Wayne, to, to kill somebody while he mm-hmm. was uh, trying to reclaim the mantle. So the conversation they have in here is really cool connective piece of continuity of um, of a commentary on that, following up on that, and Shiva's postulation on what she might have done in the same situation if Jean-Paul Valley's bat, as bats was there instead of Bruce. Like, that stuff for me mm-hmm. as like a Nightfall fan is like, okay, this is this is the dense storytelling type stuff that I like, Easter eggy type stuff I like in, in stories like this. But this issue is a really cool standalone kind of kind of story too so i really kind of dug it terrence your thoughts i was a lot like ryan i remembered like detective comics 700 really well i didn't really remember the rest of this storyline all that great like spoilers for the whole end of it i i wasn't really that impressed with the ending of the the story either like i thought it kind of ended more with a whimper than a bang but maybe you guys will disagree definitely i thought that the beginning of the story was much better than the end Talking about the whole arc of legacy, not just gotcha. this one particular issue. I always forget with Lady Shiva when she pops up, and when you, especially when you're reading comics out of order, like, is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? Are they with her? Are they not She's with usually her? always an anti-villain. Yeah. She went from, like, a real villain to an anti-hero-ish yeah. character. Yeah. It's always kind of like, where does she stand with them? Like, Oracle calls her for help, but then Batman's... Not really too keen that she's there. And then, like, is she Jason Todd's mother? Wait, no, she's not. But now she's Cassandra <laughs> Kane's mother. But wait, Cassandra Kane's not in this timeline just yet. So it was kind of cool to see her in, the, like, just kind of pop up for, you know, a few pages in, in this one story. But I'm kind of glad she wasn't, like, a major part of the whole legacy arc because it would, I think, just kind of muddled it. Yeah, this is one, if you were gonna say like where are the filler issues i gotta agree with ryan that part four and part five the shadow of the bat issue that we read previously and this one i think you could take these out and not really lose the overall narrative batman is on a mission trying to track down the next part of the plague and you could get that in a couple excerpt balloons although i did like the street urchin or the kid I believe they call them mm-hmm. the, uh, if I'm looking at the notes here, the, uh, the kid in the story is called the urchin. In another word, is saying street children. During the festival, this is kind of funny, the festival of the Draga is a real-life celebration, and it's rarely celebrated in Calcutta. So I thought that was kind of funny that Dixon wanted to have this festival here, but it's rarely held there. But being that the kid, spoilers, is if you haven't read it by now, it's, too bad. Munch. <laughs> Dixon didn't write this one. Or excuse me, Munch rather. Yeah. Yeah, but he might have had a hand in it because they were doing those conference, you know, things and stuff. But that is a real deep dive if you're like, well, yeah, that a festival in India doesn't really take place there that much. But you know, like, yeah, there's also yeah, a guy it, running around in a bat suit. So yeah, right. And peek behind the curtain, like, wow, Rob really knew that. I'm using the internet for that reference, so the, I the wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Are you using Windows 95 for that? Well, yeah, that's why it took so long for me to pull that up. Hey, <laughs> and oh, oh, real quick, can I throw this in and then you can edit it out or just uh, <laughs> or move it? I, I'm glad we're I back, said, folks. Why would he do yeah. that? <laughs> Kelly Jones, we said he uh, the uh, the inker, and then you said he was normally inked by Stankowicz, uh, and yeah. then I said it was uh, Stankowicz. 
who did I say? Kelly Puckett, I think. Puckett, We're both yeah. wrong. It's uh, John <laughs> John Beatty is the inker for. I think Kelly, Kelly Puckett's a writer. I don't even think she yeah, inks. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, John Beatty was the one who would would uh, ink most of his stuff on Batman. This pandemic has hurt more than going out to bars and movie theaters. It's affected our ability to podcast and not sound like idiots. <laughs> You need to like add in some clips of. I sent you the YouTube link of the uh, Friends Windows ninety five. You, you, if they say anything you. about viruses or something, you got to add in Chandler Bing's <laughs> discussion on viruses. Yeah, awesome. That's gonna be the, that's gonna be the drinking game, folks. Now you can go to the bar. Anytime we talk about viruses, and you, I got an idea. Hmm. Well, let me let me, come on, let me, let me, let me just something I'm kind of uh, you know fooling around with. Here, Chain Bing, take a drink. So, but uh, the thing with the kid, of him being shot and Batman being upset, not that I secretly wanted the kid to die, but I thought that would have added some weight and gravitas to this, and it almost appears like the kid's going to be okay, which, I mean, later on, we'll get the inverse of that with with Robin, but I think there would have been a little bit more weight mm. to, to Batman having this kid die as opposed to the one that Robin comes in contact with, you know, as he turns away mm. at the very end. So uh, maybe not, but uh, thoughts, uh, Ryan. So I actually really like how, how the kid in this story gets implemented and, and how it resolves. Cause as opposed to what happens in the following issues with Tim Drake's interaction with, with a kid that has the clinch, this interaction with Batman and, and this kid is is kind of the heart of this issue. Yeah, and you kind of get the best of both worlds because there is a moment where you think he's dead and you see Batman's reaction, and then Batman saves him. You know, and then he's al- the kid's alive at the end, and Batman gets to yeah. kind of because the the whole story talks about the the city they're in and the state that the that they're in and impoverished, you know, with poverty and everything like that, and. To see Batman try to interact with people in that area was, was, I thought, really interesting. And with Lady Shiva, as a callback to Mask of Tengu stuff in Night's End, the whole core of that story was all about like what Batman is. Is Batman a hero? Is what what is a hero? Should he kill? Should he not kill? Mm-hmm. And the way that Batman interacts with this kid is kind of a reflection of that. And and you get some of that at the end about like you know she was discussion with Batman be proud of be proud of him he chose the way of a warrior and Batman says no he almost died but he killed no one he chose the way of a hero and they, they there's like an ongoing commentary about that through this issue and I thought that was kind of a cool thing and it made like a larger point about you know Batman as a hero yeah so, I, and 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 the other thing is that it um, the way the kid it has a really old school with that with the kid and with the um, international setting it really gave me kind of a like a Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams vibe, and mm. it really made it made me think of the uh, Brave and the Bold, Bold number, yes. 90, number ninety-three issue that I covered with Ryan Lauer on the Batman Book Club on for one of the Halloween issues we did uh, episodes we did. Oh yeah, where where yeah. So if you if you have DC Universe Infinite, you can find Brave and the Bold ninety-three on there, and it's like Batman in the House of Mystery. Batman's on a vacation, you know. I think some Irish Scottish type place, and he interacts with this kid, and there's a haunted mansion and stuff like that, and it's kind of the same deal. It's kind of the same deal where he has to kind of interact with a with a kid through the whole thing, and it's interesting because Batman has experience, you know, with the <laughs> younger crime fighting partners. So to, it, it it's kind of a funny thing to be like, "You're just a kid. You can't be out here." And it's like, well, you kind of train kids, to, yeah, yeah. don't you? Batman? It's kind so of your thing. It's kind of your thing. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. 
to, to prevent myself from rambling too much, there, there's a lot of good storytelling meat to chew on in this in this little single issue, and it, and it holds up by itself, which I think is kind of neat. Yeah, uh, Terrence, your thoughts here on the Batman's interaction with the kid. All right, I'm going to completely 100% disagree with you, Rob, and I'm glad the kid survived. In fact, <laughs> when I was reading it. It, it seemed like I think it's like a very much a comic trope or just a trope in in a lot of ty- kinds of. We don't uh, see a stories. body that you don't know if like they're dead. Yeah, you meet yeah. you meet somebody who's you know not the main character, not somebody from the series. You he does something that endears you to them, and then they kill him at the end for dramatic. Ah, he's dead. Mm. But you know we were never going to see his kid again anyway, and all that. So the fact that he, I think I, I remember reading it. And thinking, oh man, they're just going to kill this kid at the end. And I'm thinking, like, is this because I remember reading it 30 years ago? Or is it just because it's such a trope to introduce the kid and then, you know, kill him at the end? So I, I liked that he survived. But also, if you go right back to the very first page, which, again, I really like the art with the apparel and the, the, the darker inks and the colors. I really like it. But it talks about how such a bad place Calcutta is due to the, it says it's often an ugly and desperate place representing the worst of India, but then it says, and yet the best as well, humor against adversity, an indomitable spirit amidst crushing despair. And so that kid kind of represented that, and that kid like... Exactly, yeah. Getting yeah. shot but surviving, I thought was like just a good, you know, callback to to the beginning. So, unlike you, Rob, I'm glad the kid survived. <laughs> I know you love dead children, Rob, and, and yeah, just that's, the that's more the better, about. and you know, but I'm not a monster like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The thoughts and opinions of this podcast are Rob Myers is alone. I do not expect extreme to. <laughs> opinions on this show. I know. Pandemics and kids. And- <laughs> While I think Terrence, I can't remember which one of you said it. I think this is a good standalone issue. I think mm-hmm. this issue gets lost in this book. And I think you take this out, and this is Detective Comics 703. If this was the next issue just by itself, it's not tied. Or somewhere down the line, it's an adventure. You take out the clench parts of it, and it's just a disease. Or a, it's a bomb that's going to explode. I think this turns out to be a really good, solid issue by itself. But I think intermixed with legacy overall, it unfortunately gets lost and buried in the overall narrative. I think that's kind of sad because I think this issue is really strong. And it's one that I'm kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't remember it better because I got to the end of it and thought, I really enjoyed this. So before we go on to Detective Comics 701, any final thoughts on this particular issue before we move on? Let's start with Ryan. It's got cool art. It stands alone. The coloring is really interesting. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this particular issue that does kind of set it apart from a normal, regular month, both a normal, regular monthly book and as a part in a in a big crossover like this. So it's it's pretty good. And I think everybody has their part to play in this, but uh, I think it all works together. It's something, this particular team of, you know, Doug Munch and Opero and Sinkovich, like, that's not one, and the colorist also, that's not a team that you see together a lot, I don't think. So, right. um, so it's kind of a cool stand. And sometimes you see issues like that, and they're in like, well, they're like, whatever, you know. But, like, this one is, is cool. It's got a cool vibe, and it's uh, it works quite a bit. Terrence. Overall, it's really good. It's kind of odd. It's one of the few issues in this legacy story arc not written by Chuck Dixon. So I wonder, you know, I'd, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall at the Writers' Summit and find out, like, how much 
input did Dixon have or how much was Dixon like telling Munch like yeah write a story in Calcutta and bring make sure Batman gets back to Gotham or you know like or how much right. they worked on it would would be an interesting behind the scenes kind of take but yeah this like you said if you changed the narrative made it a bomb <clears throat> it would have been a really good issue but it kind of it might have got kind of a little bit more lost and forgotten in the thousands and thousands and thousands of Batman stories out there so being a part of Legacy you know makes it you know something I think a little more special cool all right, let's go on to Detective Comics 702 with a cover date of September 1996 with an on-sale date of July 17th, 1996. Cover price is $1.95 with the editor is Scott Peterson. Writer is Chuck Dixon. The penciler is Graham Nolan. The inker is Scott Hanna. The letterist is George Costanza. I'm sorry, John Costanza. <laughs> the colorist is Gloria Vasquez. Cover credits go to Graham Nolan and Bill insert word here <laughs> I can never say his last name it will I'm right, I'm right with Terrence so Bill with the guy that has too many consonants in his name <laughs> a legacy part six Gotham Scourge Batman and Nightwing and Huntress are watching over some specific altercations in the center of Gotham City to prevent the release of a new strain of the Ebola Gulf A virus so this is Bill Gates computer I mean that is like using Wayne Gretzky's hockey stick you know <laughs> Oddly enough, none of it seems to uh, rub off. <laughs> Batman is watching a casino that will open the next day when he spots two men that are speaking to Ferris. He knows that Roz's plans to release the virus. We might have to mount a legal challenge, you know? <clears throat> it's at the opening ceremony of the casino. Batman tells Nightwing and the others to start looking for Raz al Ghul's ship while he finds a way to take the virus away. Oh, and no messy dots build up. Batman starts looking inside the casino for the most likely place to release the virus. When he evades shooting from the casino guards, he follows the clue that leads him to the casino's kitchen. He knocks out some thugs, opens a gas valve with the intentions of burning the entire place. By doing so, eliminating the virus. I like it. While he is at it, Bane arrives. Both engage in combat. Batman endures long enough to leave the gas, fill the kitchen. Batman locks himself in a storage cabin when the gas is about to erupt. Bane understands Batman's plan, time to find coverage, and manages to survive the blast. To survive the explosion that burns the casino entirely. Read, Rob. Learn to read. <laughs> Once outside, Batman and Bane retake the fight to the shore. Bane has the upper hand and is about to drown Batman in the sea when Batman rem remembers the night that forged him. The strength comes back along with a renewed rage. With his renewed strength, Batman manages to subdue Bane. But when Batman plans to take him into police custody, dun dun dun, the tide rises and Bane is swept into deep waters. Batman is too exhausted from the confrontation and can't follow Bane. Nightwing and the others contact Oracle to find out where the ship of Ra's al Ghul was. They head towards Ra's's without knowing the Ra's's plans to eliminate them all. So, now that I got my tongue wrapped out from around my teeth, I really dug this issue. Again, I think we say it a million times on this show, Dixon's storytelling, but Graham Nolan's art, I think this is at the pinnacle of his career, even with a different inker just looking at you know, Nightwing, Robin, and Huntress, and Batman in that those two pages going back to back, the way Batman is perched on the gargoyle. You have Huntress crouched in the rain, Nightwing eating popcorn, and Tim down in the lower part of 
like the boat exhibit in Gotham City. I think these are all really good character little pieces that you can just kind of look at and see different things. I think it's funny that Nightwing has picked up some stale popcorn. Like, kind of thinking of the pandemic, the last time a baseball game was played at a stadium, and when things are slowly starting to reopen, if somebody says, hey, there's some stale popcorn on the ground, I think I'm going to eat it. I don't I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's to know. See, <laughs> it makes perfect sense because that's a dude that grew up at, in the circus and just kind of travels around and to different venues and just kind of goes about his day with like in, in arenas like that that makes actually is like something <laughs> dick grayson would totally do yeah yeah definitely would so the the let's get the big elephant out of the room i think this is a moment that a lot of fans had been waiting for that we get the first real official major confrontation between batman and bane there's some good character pieces with the other parts of the bat family but i think the big draw for this issue is batman and bane's confrontation they are both at their peak batman's not been broken down or he hasn't been back for about 30 seconds and this isn't a weaker version of bane this is a fully formed bane and batman back so what was it like for you guys reading this either back then or even just now seeing the the rematch between these two titans. Let's start with Terrence on this one. Kind of don't really remember reading this one back then. I kind of always thought it was a kind of a weird thing that Bane was out there knowing that Bruce was Batman, like he had that information, but yet what is he going to do with it? So I do kind of like in this where he, reading it this time where he calls him Bruce Wayne during mm-hmm. the fight and stuff. As far as like... The thing with Nightfall is that the big the big knock on Nightfall is that Bruce Wayne Batman never gets to confront Bane after Bane breaks his back and it's actually Azrael Jean-Paul who defeats Bane and so Batman Bruce Wayne is just left broken and people who are Bruce Wayne fans that's their biggest knock and disappointment on, on that. I guess the the issue 700 was more of the it's Batman versus Bane round 2 for me and this mm. I can't say it's bad, but if I if, if my hopes was like, oh, it's Batman versus Bane, here we go, you know, like the Clash of the Titans, this has got to be kind of disappointment. I mean, Batman mm-hmm. basically like hides in a like what what did you call it a refrigeration unit or storage yeah. bin or something like yeah. I mean I if I was like hanging out with my friends talking about like the battle of Batman and Bane and what would happen like Batman hiding in a storage <laughs> container is not like <laughs> high up there on the list and I actually got kind of confused like I had to go back because they start fighting and I'm like they're in a kitchen and it's going to blow up and there's sprinklers I think and the next thing I know they're like in the water I'm like how did this and I had to like go back, and I didn't even realize Batman was in the storage bin. I had to look in the panel and see like his like calf and and foot like jumping into it, and then it just it was just kind of a weird transition. I don't know, maybe I just am an idiot and couldn't follow it, but it was <laughs> it, it it wasn't the big huge like Clash of the Titans that I would have wanted. Ryan earlier, Terrence had a major disagreement with Rob, and I, I guess now I'm going to have a major disagreement with disagreement with Terrence. I. Yay! I, lo- I mean, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah, I uh, I love this issue. I agree with Rob. I think it is absolutely. I mean, it's it's my favorite issue of the second half of, of Legacy for sure. And I totally agree with Rob. The art in this 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 uh, Nolan art is like definitely like mm. probably some of his best work. Everybody just looks pitch perfect. 
the coloring is so good, the form, like, it's, it's like peak, like, 90s Batman. It looks good. And all the characters are in it, and they're interacting. It's raining through the whole thing. It's got a good mood to it. And I, this rematch with Bane, that, this is the thing that I, see, I didn't really remember a lot about the last issue, thinking about Legacy before rereading it, but this rematch I did. I mean, it is kind of like a, it's, of course, it's not the final word on, uh, on Batman versus Bane, but it is like a good rematch. Like, the fact that, like, okay, there's Batman and Bane, and they, they, they're back fully formed again, and this is what happens in the, and the the content of their discussion as they fight is maybe even more important than the fight about like tell me what I am and scream my name and but then Batman screams his name for a different reason and then you get follow up on that later. It just kind of sets the stage for future Batman versus Bane stories and I don't really know if they ever really got a good finale for that in this era. Uh, I, I don't read, think so. I haven't read far enough to kind of know, but yeah, I don't think so. I know that there were, there's some Bane versus Azrael rematch stuff in the Azrael book, and I don't know if that took place before or after Legacy. I really don't know. There is a discussion here that where, where Batman and Bane talk to each other, and Batman talks about, the last time we met you had turned your back on crime, you told me you'd renounce Venom. I don't know when that happened. Like, did they meet each other before this? Before revealing that he was Ubu? Because I don't know when when that would have been. So, that's just... Yeah, I gotta look it up. But there was, after Nightfall, there was a sort of an issue where... I'll look it up and try to find it. But where where Bruce Wayne was back as Batman, I think. And then Bane was like, yeah, don't worry. Your secret's safe. I'm retired. I'm done with Yeah, I don't remember. I am not... I, I'll, I'll look for it. What did you guys think? Because right, if you guys disagree with me, you probably will disagree with this. I thought that one <laughs> scene where like Bane has Batman's head underwater and he says, uh, it's page 19, if you got the floppies, he says that Batman's thinking so much pain so long ago, just like yesterday, and the bubbles of the water turn into his mom's pearls. And he's like, the night my parents died. The last died, time I knew the last time I, I like that. Yeah. I, I did that too. I thought that was. I thought that was. Yeah. Like, I got. I got a stack of <laughs> scarecrow issues with Batman all scared. I got him fearful that Jason Todd is dead running in. I don't know. I just thought that was like. What do you mean? The last time you felt fear? I've got. all. I don't know. Anyway, okay. I'm glad you guys liked it. <laughs> I mean, I. I, I, mean, I do agree. The art is me, amazing. The art. I mean, is beautiful. it ties into the yeah. whole Dark Knight Rises thing. Is like I'm not afraid. I'm. I'm angry. Like because I don't know fear. I know. I. I have rage. You know what I mean? Like. That makes sense to me, and especially in the context of this of this story. I mean, you can you can take a lot of things that you can hear Batman say in any like single story and be like, "Well, it kind of contradicts." There's other stories that con- I mean, yeah, you can, but like, I think it's good. <laughs> I I can and I will, sir. No, I, can. <laughs> I have a biased comic book nerd. Yes. Yeah. Well, if Rob can point out the the festivities in Calcutta being inaccurate, I can (laughs) point out that I have a book that has Batman scared. (laughs) And and in Scooby-Doo Adventures, number 32, Batman was frightened of (laughs) the meddling teens. Could be in the same continuity. You don't know. Yeah. I do – I'll split the difference on this one. I do really like the art. I think the bubbles are great turning into the pearls. But – narratively I was like okay I, I'm on one side with Ryan like I, I get it that's cool that's awesome on the other side I'm like well but you probably could have thrown something else like to directly tie this his mind you could have tied it for the last time Bane had Batman like instead of the pearls yes. you would have, I would have had like 
Bane holding Batman's body up about to break his back or something. Like, revisiting yeah. the last time that Bane ha- almost had Batman. You know, instead yeah. of that. That would have made a little bit more sense to me as a rematch. Yeah. But as a whole, I did think... I think this is the most satisfying Batman mm-hmm. and Bane confrontation. But like you said, I don't think it ever really gets resolved that at the end of the day, Bane is done. He's he's broken. He can never do this to Batman again. I think it ends... The thing that ends the fight is the high tide coming in, washing Bane out to sea, and Batman is just now too tired to to go after him. So Batman's clearly won. He's knocked... Bane's knocked out on this raft, but Batman's in no condition to continue on. So I do like it. I think the, like you said, the form of all the figures are just look absolutely fantastic. Even Nolan's use of drawing fire and water look great. You know, sometimes, you know, when artists have to do other like animals or fire, water, different aesthetics, they kind of look cheap and like, ah, they're just kind of drawing little waves Every little right. ripple that's used is just phenomenal in this issue. I really dig it. The issue where Bane talks to Batman about kicking the Venom habit and all that, that was in Batman Vengeance of Bane 2, The Redemption, which came out in 1995. Oh. And, yeah. and it says here, this is in Wikipedia, Bane recovers from his Venom addiction while serving time in Blackgate Prison as seen in Batman, Vengeance of Bane 2, The Redemption. He rebuilt his body to its peak and eventually escapes from prison and returns to Gotham, where he fights alongside the original Batman, who has by now recovered and taken his mantle back from Asriel to take out a criminal ring that is distributing a Venom derivative to street-level thugs following a victory over the criminals and the revelation that behind it is the same doctor that performed the surgery on Bane years earlier in Penadu. Bane proclaims that he is innocent of his past crimes and urges Batman to stop hunting him. He then leaves Gotham without fighting Batman to begin the search for his dead father. And then, well, okay. yeah, okay. and then Bane's search brings him back to Santa Prisca, where he meets Talia Al Ghul, and then the rest is legacy. <laughs> you know, or Bane of the Demon, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know where the vengeance of Bane is if you have the. Very nice and well put together Nightfall Omnibus Trilogy. The very first book in Nightfall is Vengeance of Bane, and the very last book is Vengeance of Bane 2. So mm. that's where okay. that it, is. I mean, you can find it, it on single issues, but... It does not say a Vengeance of Bane 2 came polybagged with some lame-ass skateboard magazine <laughs> from the 90s, but <laughs> my guess is it did. Yeah, It probably did. If there was a dollar to be made somewhere. So this issue ends with Robin, Nightwing, and Huntress on a boat headed towards Rachel Ghoul's boat, and we see Roz and, about said Lady Shiva, Talia on the boat. I like the little banter that the two of them have, basically like, well, your beloved has failed, and uh, should we reconsider the detective father? It's to be like, well, the one guy didn't do it. Is Batman going to do it? So I thought that was, we're kind of realigned with Talia Still loving her beloved. So we'll continue on. You guys have any final thoughts before we hit to Robin 33? Ryan. No, it's just, this is just absolutely the climax of the story for me. Like, I, yeah. the Batman Bane rematch with this kind of art and, and writing and commentary on the characters is, is stands out even more than, uh, than the overall story of Legacy itself. Legacy, for me, is more like 
Batman versus Bane, like, you know, round two with all the other stuff being a, a nice bonus instead of the other way around. Um, so for me, like, especially like, uh, and I, I kind of agree with Terrence. I'm back to agreeing with Terrence about the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the back half of, of Legacy does kind of, not that it's a whimper, but it, it's, it definitely feels like this is the climax and everything else just kind of, kind of resolves a little bit strangely. Like, yeah. It doesn't feel it feels like a couple issues tacked together and some things happen and get resolved, but not exactly in a in as smooth of a, a manner as I would have you know, hoped, you know, for a store for a you know, eight part story like this. But Right. Terrence. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing maybe Chuck Dixon might have been slave to the publishing yeah. schedule. Because I mm. feel like it would have worked better if Robin thirty three was part six and then this was part seven. This was like the final confrontation if they wrapped up the Raja Ghoul stuff. I do love in this issue, page 10, which shows Batman, but it's just the white outline of his eyes and teeth that's like right out of the Norm Brayfogle page mm. book, and I love it. And I was going to mention that. That's, ex- that's an yeah. excellent callback. I was like, ooh, it's like Dixon riffing off of a Brayfogle. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to see what Dixon wrote in like the notes for that page. I know. To, like, make how it like to make Brayfogle. It look. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then there's a scene where it's like you've got Batman and like a couple of the thugs are coming behind Bane to like get at Batman and he's like, no, I'll take this. And they, all the thugs <laughs> are running and Bane's just standing and bat- like the one guy's tie is like <laughs> in the breeze with the other guy's ponytail. And the look on their faces as they're like running from this like Batman-Bane fight is uh, pretty cool. But yeah, Ryan and I disagreed and Rob, instead of taking an opinion, you were Switzerland and tried to just be right down the middle <laughs> I and know. right be narrow. And for not having a backbone and not taking a stance, you're you're officially kicked off the podcast, Rob. I'm, I'm I got to do it. I got to kick you off. So there yep. you go. Well, pandemic's over. I've been kicked off. <laughs> Rob, that's no... Rob's legacy. Yep. That's my, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's my legacy. Well, well, this is where we'll have to end the episode since Terrence kicked me off of it. But of course, he will reinstate me in a couple weeks and we will continue our legacy conversation. So like I said, this is where we're going to end the show. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us tell you why we love the Drake. Thanks for listening to the Batman universe. And more importantly, thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves a Drake. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respective copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at thebatmanuniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also, over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net. your home for all things Batman and Robin. 
Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.